Countdown to Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with an emphasis on his soon return. I am your host, Marco Kiroglu. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our blessed King. I am Brother Marco from Countdown to Christ Ministries. Today, we are at one of the rooms of Mountain View Baptist Church with Pastor Mark Osborne. Mark, Thank you very much. Good, it's great. Thanks for allowing us to be here and being our guest in our program today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and actually I'm looking forward to a very interesting conversation with Mark regarding the issues which I often try to highlight. The issue of rapture, celebrating Christmas, Shabbat day, or the Lord's day. Now, Mark, you pick and choose which one of these subjects you want to deal with first. Um, well, I had an interesting one. Let's talk about the rapture and, and when Jesus is coming, because one of the things that um, often gets asked of me, especially from people who are wrestling with who Jesus is, is um, how, did, how did Jesus not know when he's coming back, if he's supposed to be God, if he's supposed to be omniscient, yet he tells his disciples, nobody knows the day, not even the Son, but only the Father. So how do, how do you reconcile That's that? That's a really good question. I also heard that question. Jesus is God. And God knows everything. So yeah. how come that he says he doesn't know the time? Well, um, I've got a very cool illustration that I use to, um, to explain this. And um, throughout the New Testament, the, the church is called the Bride of Christ. And uh, the writers of the New Testament, especially the Jewish ones, would have understood that in light of a very specific um, way that they did marriage. And so if you, if you have a look, when uh, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, and he found out that she was pregnant, he had to go through a divorce procedure if he wanted to um, separate himself from Mary. So the betrothal is, is a very important concept. And if you have a look at the, the, the way that they did marriage back then, um, and, and even today in, in some cultures, um, they would have a betrothal process, which was that the families would get together, they'd, they'd make a promise to one another that you're mine, I'm yours, we're, we're in this together. And interestingly, at the end of that, or during that ceremony, the, the couple would actually uh, go through kind of a baptism ritual, not to, to, to purify themselves, but to declare that they are pure. Uh, and then, then the, the man would leave the, the, the woman for roughly a year. To, it, can we say his fiancée, maybe? His fiancée, yeah, it's very similar to, uh, similar yeah. to a, uh, uh, an engagement, but, but taken much more seriously because it's uh, in order to, to break that betrothal, or that, that engagement, they'd actually have to get a divorce. Um, so then the, the, the man would leave. So even, even the, fear, uh, the, the concept of betrothal was actually as serious as marriage itself. Exactly. So the interesting thing is that the man leaves, and he goes and prepares a place for his bride, normally on his father's estate. Now it's interesting, isn't it, that, that a Christian, when, when you become a follower of Jesus, you get baptized. And it's not to make yourself pure, but it's to declare that you have been made pure by Jesus. And, and you belong to him now. You belong to him, right? And, and he's called our bridegroom. And where's he gone? He told his, his disciples, I'm going. If I go, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. 
Uh, he also said there, there are many rooms in his father's yes. house. He's yes. preparing a room for us in his father's house. Exactly. Just like in the tradition, the man would go and prepare on his father's estate this, this room for his bride. And it's interesting that the bridegroom didn't know when he was going to return for his bride. It was up to the father to go and inspect the place that the bridegroom had prepared for his wife before he said, okay, now you can go and fetch your bride. So finally, the father makes the decision, okay, my son, now you can go fetch your bride. Exactly. And that doesn't take away from Jesus' deity. It's, it's something that he's actually chosen not to know. It's not something that he doesn't know because he's limited in that way. It's something that he's chosen because he's subjected himself to the Father's will always. So he, is, he has chosen not to know it. It's not that he, it's beyond his ability to know it. So now you're, you're drawing a very clear resemblance between the concept of Jewish wedding yes. and rapture. Yes, because we are now the, the bride of Christ. We are betrothed to him. He's preparing a place for us. And when the Father gives his okay that the place is now ready, Jesus will come. Okay, so now many people say rapture can only happen either mid-tribulation or after, tri after yeah. tribulation. Mm -hmm. Now, how would, you, how would you answer that? So I believe that it will happen before the tribulation. Um, some people argue that it's we deserve to go through a tribulation because if you have a look at all the persecution that's going on, why wouldn't we go through that? The difference is persecution today is a result of people persecuting the church. Yeah. But the tribulation is God's wrath being poured out. And, and God wouldn't punish His, his children. That's yeah. not what, what He's going to do. So I believe, according to Scripture, we will escape that um, part of the... Uh, and also, for me, one of the very clear statements of Bible is that Jesus is our Redeemer. Yes. To, and often the question is, I ask people, what did He redeem us from? Exactly. From yeah. the wrath of God. Exactly. So if, if the wrath of God is... The, the, is the problem from which Jesus redeemed us. Yeah. What's the point of going through the tribulation then? Yeah, it would, be, it, would be, it would undo everything that Jesus did. Yeah. And um, so based on that, we are now clearly seeing from Scripture that rapture has to happen before the tribulation. Yes. And rapture is a promise of bridegroom to his bride, yes. which is the church. Mm -hmm. And the timing of rapture is only known by the father of the bridegroom. Exactly. When he says, my son, the season, the season is right. Time has come. Go fetch your bride. Yep. That's the time we are going to hear the sound of on. Exactly. Where Christ will come and fetch us. Exactly. And that's, that's interesting because in, in, the, in, in the Jewish wedding, the, the bridegroom would send a procession before him trumpeting that he's coming, the, the bridegroom is coming for his bride, and that's exactly what's going to happen when Jesus comes. We're going to hear the trumpet, and then the church is going to be called up. Wow. So when you read the scripture regarding rapture and second coming of Christ, with this background, with this understanding, yeah. doesn't, isn't it amazing? Everything perfectly falls into place. Exactly. Not only that, but in, in the tradition, the bridegroom would leave a gift for the for the, the bride to remember him while he's away preparing the place. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus has left for us. Because he says, you know, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He'll remind you of me while wow. I'm gone. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And I, th this is a known fact for those of us who study the scripture regarding this. But I think many of our viewers who have been wondering, well, is rapture going to happen before tribulation or after tribulation? I think this kind of puts the dot at the end of the argument. This is it. it. And um, of course, 
there are many sincere Christians out there that yeah. I know. Some of them are my friends. Mm -hmm. They still believe in rapture through the middle of tribulation mm -hmm. or at the end of tribulation. There, there are many arguments. There are many theological arguments out there, but still it doesn't answer the question of what did Jesus redeem us from yeah. then? Not only that, but it's, if, if you believe that, I, I believe that you're reading yourself into a covenant that isn't ours. Because the tribulation is Daniel's 70th week, which is for the Jewish people exactly. under the old covenant. We're under a new covenant that the rite of Hebrew says is a better covenant. So why would you want to read yourself into that old, not as good covenant? And didn't the scripture also say regarding tribulation, it's the Jacob's hour of trial? Yes, exactly. Jacob's hour of trial. N not the hour of trial for the bride of Christ, exactly. for Jacob. And that is a time we understand from Bible prophecy that that is exactly the time where Jewish people will have no friends left on mm -hmm. earth. And often I wonder, as long as there is the Bible-believing evangelical Christians in the world, Jews have friends. Yeah. But only after we are all gone, they will have literally no friends left. Exactly. Bible, Bible prophecy uh, and every word of the Bible is spot on. God really means what he says mm -hmm. and God really says what he meant. Yeah. God is not hitting around the bush. Exactly. Now, speaking of Jewish people and their covenant, please, can we now talk about the issue of Sabbath okay. versus the Lord's Day? Sure. Now, let me first raise the question. The question is, there are many Christians who do, lately I'm coming across these people more and more, who say, well, I love Israel, mm -hmm. I love Jewish people, I acknowledge God has a plan for them, yeah. I rejoice in the fact that Israel came into existence in 1948 and they are growing in influence all over the world. Mm -hmm. For that, I abandon worshiping the Lord on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And now I am a Sabbath observer and yeah. I will go to church on Saturday, but there is no church on Saturday, so I go to synagogue. Mm -hmm. Or they start a church that goes get, yeah. gets together on Saturday. Yeah. That's one extreme. The other extreme is, of course, totally, total denial of the whole Sabbath practice on mm -hmm. Sunday. Yeah. Now, how do you answer that? So I, I, I believe Jesus, what he said that, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so it, it was God's gift to man as a day of rest. So if we want to have a look at it, um, the, the whole idea of worshiping on the Sabbath really didn't come into existence, well, for, for evangelicals until very late on. It's, it's actually a, a pretty recent thing with the Seventh-day Baptists actually yeah. brought that to the fore. It wasn't even the Adventists. It was the Seventh-day Baptists that brought it to the fore, um, that we should worship on, uh, on, on the Sabbath instead of the, the Lord's Day. Um, my answer to that is it, it, you can look at the Sabbath in, in basically three sections. First, it's conception when God said, you know, he created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Yeah. That was the conception of the Sabbath. Um, it, it was never a day of worship. He, although he said, keep it holy. We, don't, don't misunderstand the word holy. Uh, it, it simply means set apart. Yeah. Right? Set apart for what? Well, God set it apart for rest, not for worship. Although That's a very good point. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a day of rest. And then after the conception, then we have um, what I would call the codification or bringing it into law which was only done with Moses, right? And I, I believe that the whole reason for God uh, instituting the Sabbath as part of the law was because the nation of Israel came out of slavery in Egypt, where there was a culture of, well, if you don't work, you don't eat anything. So we need to be working seven days a week or we can't eat. And God said, no, 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 I want you to take a rest on the seventh day and see how I provide for you. It's a matter of trust. 
And, and is, it, is it not a little bit similar to giving your tithing? Exactly. When you give your tithing and offerings to the Lord, it's a matter of trust. Yeah. You're, you're, you're trusting that God can do with 90% what, what you're expecting to only be able to do with 100%. So he says, I'll fill in the gap for you. And so he said, I don't want you to work all seven days. I want you to take a rest because God loves us. Uh, yeah. That might be news, but he, he loves us so much that all of his laws actually reflect his goodness towards us. And the Sabbath is part of that, saying, I will fill in the gap. I know you think that you have to work for seven days, but I'm telling you, I can do with six days what you can do with seven. So that was making the law. And there is also another correlation I tend to draw between Sabbath and tithing principle. Yeah. Sab the Sabbath was day number seven. seven. Yeah. And tithing, it's one of out of seven days. Tithing is God says, give me the first fruit. Yes. First of what you get. So... There is this correlation of God saying, you can, you can think of bet, having a better use for that money. Yeah. You can think of having a better use for that whole day. Yeah. But I'm telling you, leave it. Mm -hmm. Leave it. Leave it at my feet. Don't do anything with it. Give yeah. it to me. Yeah. And you also talked about Sabbath being the rest day. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more on that? Because yeah. many people understand that Sabbath is a worship day. Yeah, exactly. And so... The whole idea of, of worship, it, it actually, as I said, it's, it's a fairly late um, comer to the whole evangelical world. Um, but even, even as part of, of the law, it was, remember, the, the old covenant was a, it wasn't a covenant of life. It was a covenant of blessing, yeah. right? So how it worked is, okay, as long as you keep my law, you're in the circle of blessing. If you sin, you break my law, you're outside of the blessing. You have to bring a sacrifice to come back into that, that blessing. Whereas the, the new covenant, which is a better covenant, is a covenant of life. In fact, that is our Sabbath rest. It's when we, we rest from our works, rest from that religious um, understanding of to have a relationship with God, you have to do all these things, jump through all these hoops. And, and he says, no, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice has done all of that. And if you place your trust, which is kind of like laying your hand on that animal in the, in the Old Testament, if you place your trust in Jesus, he will take away your sin and you get restored back to this covenant of life that, that God had with Adam and Eve in the, in the, in the yeah. garden. But it's a, it's a rest thing. It's, it's it, not a worship thing. So it doesn't, Sabbath then doesn't substitute Sunday. No, no, not at all. No, and in fact, if you go and have a look, if you search for the words um, worship and Sabbath, it's only found one time in Scripture. And that is only saying that you, in, in, in the future, in, uh, in uh, eternity, we will worship from Sabbath to Sabbath, meaning every day. Yeah. It's not that it will be on Sabbath and on Sabbath, because it also says from new moon to new moon. So there's only one time where, where worship is actually associated with Sabbath. The other time there's, there's special feasts that would happen on the Sabbath, but um, the, worship, the, the idea of worshiping on Sabbath isn't really there. And the, also we read in the scripture that as a new covenant people of God, yeah. we are called to pray without stop. Yes. Without ceasing, mm -hmm. we are supposed to be in relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus himself also said, stay in me, remain yeah. in me. Mm -hmm. There is this whole concept of coming to God once a week. Yes. Is actually not a biblical concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, as far as I, I understand, it's a Roman concept. Yeah. Which we yeah. inherited from the Roman influence of Christianity. Yeah. And uh, today I still see all around us, the, mm -hmm. this concept is such a strong element in yeah. our culture. There are many Christians who will not want to talk about Jesus in their workplace. Mm -hmm. There are many Christians 
who will not talk about Bible or mm -hmm. scripture on any other time rather than Wednesday evening Bible study mm -hmm. or Sunday morning worship yeah. service. And, and part of that, I believe, in fact, a lot of the, the issues that you see in evangelicalism comes from Christians reading themselves back into the Old Covenant. Mm. Um, you know, they, they expect us to get some of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. They expect us, you know, that God has a wonderful plan for your life based on Jeremiah 29. But that's very specific context, and it's, it's to, uh, to the Jewish people. Even Malachi 3.10, you know, bring, the, bring the, the full tithe into the temple and see that I don't open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessings. You know, that's all done, but that's, those are all promises made to Israel, not to the church. Um, and, and, and this whole idea of, of having a religious uh, understanding of God that I come to Him once a week, I get my sins forgiven, I get all that. That's all because we've read ourselves back into the Old Covenant, forsaking the New Covenant, which is yeah. better, uh, and, and not realizing even that, as the author of Hebrews says, the Old Covenant is obsolete now that Jesus has instituted this New Covenant. Um, that's not to say that we don't read the Old Testament, that we throw it away. No, I, think, I think we need to highlight that. that yeah. There are also other people yes. out there that say Old Covenant is finished and done yeah, yeah. and dusted. No. We will never read the Old Testament again. Yeah, exactly. That's, I don't want to be, be, I don't want to land there either. The Old Covenant is, uh, you know, everything in the Old Covenant led to Jesus, which is very, very important. So obviously the Old Covenant is very important for our understanding and where, where we are today. A friend of mine said Old Covenant is very much like the roots of the tree. Yeah. And the new covenant is the shoots of the tree, yeah. and it's a whole tree together. Yes. Without the understanding, without reading and understanding the Old Testament, we will never understand and appreciate what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. And I mean, as Jesus said, everything in the Old Testament points to him. That's in Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. That's amazing, actually. Bible, a, a big portion of the Bible is prophecies. Yes. And a lot of, again, a big portion of the prophecies are found in the Old Testament. Yes. And those prophecies point to, I always say that, those prophecies point to two big events. Not one single event, two packages of events. One is the first coming of Christ. Yeah. Prophesied in the Old Testament over and over. Mm -hmm. God is going to send a, a Savior, Messiah. The where, where he was going to be born, how he was going to be born, how he was going to live, how he was going to die, why he was going to die, were all prophesied. And as the Old Testament prophesied, it happened. Mm -hmm. But now, today, there are millions of people around the world. They say, well, Old Testament prophesied, it happened in the New Testament, so I believe it. I tell them, well done. Actually, it doesn't take faith to believe in something that already has happened. Yeah. It's a fact. You only acknowledge the fact. But then I'm going to take it one step further. Old Testament, as well as New Testament, continue prophesying about this Jesus. Mm -hmm. It prophesies that this Jesus, who died and rose and ascended, is going to come back. Mm -hmm. He's going to come back. But before he comes back, he's going to fetch his bride, mm -hmm. whom he left here. As we discussed just now, he's going to, at the command of his father, he's going to come and fetch the bride, his believers. Then we have the seven-year ceremony. In the yes, heavenlies. That's, exactly. an, that's an amazing subject on its own. I know, because people, people tend to focus on the tribulation that's happening on earth, and they forget about the celebration that's happening in heaven, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And my daughter, she is only eight now. Yeah. That's her favorite subject in the Bible. Okay. The party time in heaven for seven years. That's good. <laughs> and the question is, how many Christians are excited about that? 
And you know what? If you have a look at, at, the, at the New Testament, in fact, I'm, I'm open to First Thessalonians. They, they were expecting in their lifetime for Jesus to come back and fetch his bride. It wasn't something that they thought they were going to die without seeing. You know, and, and how many Christians today have that expectation? I think we've, we've fallen into the trap uh, that Peter talks about where he says, you know, there will be those that say, well, where is his coming? We've been waiting for it for so many years and he hasn't come yet. He's not coming. Exactly. How many times do we get that, that, that answer from Christians all yeah. around us? At the back of my car, there's a sticker, bumper sticker. Yeah. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Yeah. And people look at me and laugh at me. and They tell me, we've been waiting for him for 2,000 years. Yeah. What makes you think that he's coming now? Yeah. The Bible makes me think that. And the important thing, I think, to, to kind of get onto that, what, what do you do when you're getting married? Right? What does any bride do? Do, do they... If the wedding's at three, do they wake up at two o'clock and kind of stumble down to the church? No. They spend months getting ready for the bridegroom, right? And to get ready to meet their bridegroom. And expectancy is always there. Yeah. And, and that's what we should be, as, be like as Christians. We should know our bridegroom is coming. We need to be getting ready. And, and that's why Titus says, you know, we need to deny all ungodliness and worldly passions. And we should live... Um, soberly and righteously and godly lives in this present age while we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need Paul, to... Paul used that vocabulary so perfectly, the exactly. blessed hope. Yeah. And that, that is our hope. That is, that, is a, that is a great thing we are looking forward to. Jesus fetching us from this wicked world. Yeah. This is not our home, folks. Our home is where our King Jesus is. Yeah. And our blessed hope. I often tell people, what is paradise for you? What is heaven for you? Mm -hmm. You Christians believe in Jesus to go to heaven, but do you have an idea what heaven is yeah. like? You want to understand what heaven is like? Read what Apostle Paul wrote in First and Second Thessalonians, especially mm -hmm. about rapture. Well, folks, before we close this program, I want to ask Pastor Mark for a word for South African and also international viewers. What, we are just approaching Christmas. We're going to have another program with him on the question of Christmas. Mm. But just before we enter the Christmas season, yeah. what word would you like to give to our viewers? What word of caution? What word of encouragement? Yeah, um, there's a lot of controversy as, as we'll talk about. But the world has teed us up perfectly to celebrate our Savior, the coming of the first coming of our blessed hope, when he came not as conquering king, but as a, as a savior who wanted to, us to embrace him as Lord. And we have an opportunity now, not just to celebrate his birth, but to anticipate his second coming as well. And so my, my encouragement would be to use this time to take the focus off of what the world is focusing on. Take it off of the consumerism, take it off of Santa Claus, take it off of, of secular gift giving and being you know, extravagant with that, although we should do that, we should focus on the ultimate gift that our Father gave us, Jesus. We don't know when He was born, but we get to celebrate it once a year, and this is the perfect time to invite friends to, to church, to share the gospel with people, to anticipate that He is, as He came the first time, He is coming again, and He's going to come and fetch His bride. Wonderful. Let us celebrate Christmas with a great expectancy that our King, our Redeemer, is coming to fetch us from this filthy world. If our viewers would like to get in touch with you, yeah. they can contact you with your email address as they see on the screen. Mm -hmm. And if they have any question, any comment about this discussion, feel free, folks, feel free to get in touch with us. May our Lord Jesus Christ bless you, 
May you keep your eyes, may you keep your ears open. Soon our Redeemer is coming to fetch us from this wicked world. All the signs are out there. All the biblical prophecies are pointing to the fact that we are living in the end times and it's a matter of days, it's a matter of hours. Our King is coming to fetch us. That's what I believe. That's what I encourage you to believe. God bless you. Until I see you next time. Follow us on Facebook, our pages, facebook.com slash countdown to Christ. Watch our videos on YouTube. Our channel is youtube.com slash countdown to Christ. Support our ministry with your donation. Countdowntochrist.com slash donate.